Hello, everybody. We are here again for a. This is a back to school episode. This is. This is back to school week for me. Is it back to school week for no, you? No, not so, yet. One more week. I am Mary Catherine Ham, host of Getting Hammered, here with my co-host Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon and the Sub Beacon Podcast, which you can find at subbeacon.com or Patreon. How are you doing? I am doing fine, Mary Catherine. As you were saying, this is the last week of school for our for my daughter and then my son first week yes that's right first week last week of summer sorry about that (laughs) and my son doesn't go back until after labor day but there are certain schools fredericksburg virginia i believe they started august 15th no no before that they started a week before that i was watching people send their kids back in august and it was giving me anxiety sooner or later it's going to be july so my daughter is very excited to go back to school She's like counting down the days and hours, and it's not because she loves school and in class per se. It's really the social yeah. element of being with her friends and the scene. Yes. The, <laughs> I'm out of the scene, Dad. Yeah, no, she's got to get back in the scene. That was not my experience growing up. I'd say a couple weeks before and certainly the week before, you start feeling the ulcer, mm-hmm. especially like middle school. I just get so nervous. about. I mean, I had friends, but I mean, I got so nervous about classes. I always worried about studying. I feel like I, I spent a lot of time deciding what to wear the first day. I and think was, that's a big difference. I had uniforms, so and I that was, was not an issue. Oh, yeah. No, and I was very unsure of it because I already knew I wasn't cool. Like, I wasn't going <laughs> to I wasn't gonna achieve anything in particular, so I'm not sure why I was so nervous about it. I remember first day of high school, I remember my outfit. It was a pair of high-waisted, long jean shorts from Gap that were green because, you know, we had all sorts of different colors back then and a giant oversized t-shirt from the local record store, Poindexter Records. Oversized because everything was oversized back then. Huge. Nothing was actually form revealed. Now it's too much. Now it's the other way. It's too much. But the pendulum is swinging because the 90s Uh, are back. uh, uh, So the oversized t-shirts are back back. in some ways. Well, you're wearing a t-shirt right now. It's very loose. I'm actually wearing an oversized t-shirt as we speak. But that's what I, I remember it very clearly. I thought I was, I was like, oh, I really nailed it. I really nailed it. Uh, I'm not sure I nailed it. I, well, I wish I could. At the time, you probably did. I mean, it would look so. funny now, but I mean, then it was probably just right. <laughs> well, the, I, guess, I guess the irony is that it might actually be cool now. Yes. Because we yes. are back in 1994 for the, for the high school kids. I went, when, when I was in high school, we had, you know, in our khakis, the, the, the bottoms, you would roll up the bottoms. Oh, yeah. French roll? I guess that's what you call it. Yeah. I don't know. It was silly, and yet it was completely normal. If you do that, I don't know why. We, that was the thing. That's what you did. So your kids are back. They are back, and we had a mostly successful send-off mostly. yesterday. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're working on your new routine. Now, as credit, credit to the husband, if it were up to me, the children would be up to like 1030 every day of the summer. And then the day before school, I'd be like, go to bed at eight. Right. You oh, know, that's right. You mentioned he, he wanted but them to get regulated. Yes. Per we're, se. And we, we were basically on, on a, a decent schedule the entire summer, except for special occasion. So they are actually pretty acclimated to going to sleep early and doing the thing. So that part we got under control. You know, then there's the lunch making and the whole the the, the, lunch the outfits and the uh, the hair. Oh God, I got to brush their hair now. I mean, they can brush their own hair too. But the point is, it has to get yes. done yeah. before during the summer. I can just send them off feral, right? right. But now I got to like do Did you say feral like wild animals. Yes. Feral. So yeah. now I got to do maintenance yeah. and braids and ponytails. So it just takes a little more time. 
Now, do they do they have any issues getting up in the morning or no? They're ready to no, go. No, they're both ready to go. Okay. Yeah, they like, like they felt they like it like was school. time. They felt like it was time. They like school. They don't get they get nerves about other things with growing up, but school's not one of them. They they want to go. They want to be there with the people. They're very social. Yeah, they're social. That's nice. So That's nice. they're out there. But I gave the now this is on me, partly. I gave my oldest a very heavy backpack full of all the back to school items that we did not drop at open house. Why did we not drop them at open house? Well, there wasn't a specific place to put them and I didn't have a special bag for them. So I looked at her bag and was like, can I promise myself that I actually labeled all this stuff and it's not going to get mixed up with everything? No, of course not. I did not. I'm not diligent enough for that. So you just gave it to her now. So I give it, it all. I give it all to her in mm-hmm. the backpack on the first day of school, which is like a 20, 25 pound backpack. I was going to say it's like mountain hiking gear. It's like sort of like a, <laughs> she's like almost tipping yeah. over a little bit. I, I kid you not. If she's if she if she didn't. Right. I, I was like, she's lean got forward. You got to got to get the hunch going now. It That's is great. like it is like backpacking. Lean forward. You know, you got to you don't want to fall down the mountain. So I put this on her and we go out to the car in the morning and everybody jumps in the car. The little sister gets in there, no problem, because all her stuff did get dropped off. The older one is getting in the car. I get in the car. I look back, and I, I'm all buckled up. I see the little one buckled up, and I take my foot off the brake, and I hear, ah! What is that? She's still struggling to get the, the book bag in the car with her as I'm attempting to pull out of the driveway. Now, I hope she was this is like, inside and the backpack was outside and not the I reverse think, I think a little bit. it might bit. have been a little halfway. Oh. So this is like less than a foot of space that I moved the car. I saw the dome light and suddenly was like, oh, what's going on? The, the, normal, the normal time in my head that it takes to get in the car had been extended by the 20-pound weight. It has to now. You have to incorporate that. <laughs> and so, and so, I, so I briefly... Almost ran over my child on the first day of school, which would have not been a great way to start. And then I did a great mom thing. And look, I, you, feel free to send me hate mail for this, but I'm owning up to what I did. My first reaction is to say, you need to get in the car faster. <laughs> and then I said, nope, mm-mm, that was that was my fault. I am a grown up and I should check to make sure my children are bodily in the car before I pull out of the driveway. But your gut reaction is, it's not my fault yes. or the car's fault. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's, it's definitely the passenger. 100%. The young passenger. The nine-year-old's fault. <laughs> That's whose fault it is. So today, I'm glad to report on the second day, everyone got into the car safely. And one more thing I got to say, the Nest video of this incident is great. Although I wish there had been like a little like legs hanging out the side or something. I didn't, I didn't actually see anything. You just hear. You do. Yeah. You hear the, ah! <laughs> If we can get that video, uh, the audio for you guys, we will we will add it. It's like, <laughs> everybody it just takes time. Everyone's got to get used to Look, the there's schedule. A, and there's a back routine. into the, the swing of things for the next nine months oh, or so. It's something so, to that effect. So... I know, I know, I know. Here's something for you. Yeah. Thirty-one years ago today, my first day and Kate's first day at college. Oh whoa! Yeah, isn't that crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy because I have coworkers here, of course, who are not even. Oh my gosh! I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Jennifer, no comment. But it's a uh, thirty-one years ago, and it was the move-in day into Georgetown, and I still remember it quite vividly. I was talking oh, yeah. to Kate about it. Kate said they went. She, her family went the day before 
because you have to come in obviously the day before to right. get you know stay at a hotel or whatever. They went to see the Robin Hood movie with Kevin Costner. Oh my gosh, theater, amazing! But she was like, "How can anyone enjoy?" Because in the back of her mind is ah, this is yes. it, Prince of Thieves. Yes, I remember. I went. I went the day before. I went to Hands, which they still had one of Hands nice. at Georgetown Park. Nice. It was there, and and I got served. Oh, and that of was course that you was did. The- Just to start college right. <laughs> I, we did, we did drop off at the University of Georgia, my family and I, and my goodness, drop off at the University of Georgia in August is so hot and miserable. I mean, it is like off the charts. And then- And you're also talking about a population larger than many cities. Oh yeah. So people, see, some people will ask me, because I know a lot of friends who went to small liberal arts schools or, I had on the quad that I lived, Mm -hmm. two dorms with over a thousand people in each of them, just on the quad. So yeah. mine had Those are 12, 12 floors of yeah. more than a thousand people, co-ed. The other one was uh, across the way, it was all women. This is problematic now, but it was referred to as, uh, you know, if you have kids listening, shut their ears, nine floors of whores over there. Wow, I, did not, <laughs> I didn't see it going that way. I was thinking of other things, but that, 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 took, that, me, was the ladies, that took me by surprise. That was the ladies' dorm. Do we yeah. have to bleep that? Anyway. <laughs> So that was, you know, it was the 90s. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's cool, you know. I had a lot of friends over there. Some of my best friends were <laughs> over at Brody. There, yes. <laughs> you know, the pluses and minuses, right? So it's a zoo for a school like yours. Yours is, oh George is much larger yes. than George. It was, it was like a, a movie about college. I mean, it was very much, the right. Walmart is stuffed with people. You're seeing everybody Everything in the hallway. There. On the other hand, the dating pool must be immense. Because that's the only reason why right, I didn't, right. you know, on when one I was hand, in college. On so. one hand, yes. Yeah. But on the other, every single group of people is from Marietta together or from, like, Tribal. Macon together. So they have their groups already. So I was, like, I was the weirdo. The big, I didn't know anybody. The big difference that I found going to Georgetown that I learned about was the difference between the boarding school kids, the fancy boarding school kids, oh. and then the rest of us parochial and public school kids. They never, they didn't mix. The, those kids, and there's no knock. Many of our listeners who might go to Choate Rosemary Hall or Exeter Andover, they just, or Pingree, they did not associate with the red. They were all together. And for them, I think the transition was very normal. It was a shrug. For me, I mean, coming from, you know, just a high school, my mother was in tears. Oh, yeah. No, it was, a, it was gush. emotional. Very emotional. Yeah. I was blessed with a great roommate who was also oh, a weirdo. She <laughs> was from the Atlanta area, but she was... You know, sort, kind of a raver chick into electronica. Oh yeah, that was, that was bad. And oh my goodness, she was. Yeah, she was very cool. We're still Facebook friends, but I felt like it was it was a great match for me. Yeah, my freshman year roommate was a friend of mine from Nerd Camp, from oh, high school. So perfect. I knew who, and then, and there was a couple of us who had also gone to Georgetown. So that's how we first networked with each other, and then I don't, I don't see. I don't keep in touch with any of them now, maybe through Facebook, but otherwise right. I don't see them. But through them, I met my other friends who I became very good well, friends Well, you got it. You have starter friends at You college. do have starter friends. You have starter friends, and then you move on. Let me ask you this, friends. and then we can actually get to There is okay. news. There is news. But let me get, you know ask you this back quickly. Back to school back. talk is what everybody back. wants. That's right. That's right. Do you, and I wonder if our listeners feel the same way, did you, did you make a lot of, meet a lot of friends, make a lot of friends the first couple months that you then never saw again for the next four years? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's weird. I had a conflict, in fact, with two of them, two buddies. They were best friends from home, and they mm-hmm. roomed together. Oh. And I- That was um, a good idea. 
I stood up for another person in this little friend group because I mm-hmm. thought she was being sort of manipulated, and oh it was like God. a fake ID Ooh. situation. Oh. It, my entire college experience is just like a movie about college. <laughs> fake. I, I felt like she was being manipulated to do something she didn't want to do, and I stood up yeah. for her yeah. and said, you know, basically, yeah, if, you want your, if you want a fake ID, you should probably get your own. Like, don't put uh-huh. it on this girl. And oh. I got called into the student lounge by the two girls together to, like, hash this out. Oh, my goodness. And it was a very, I don't know, this is like a girl conflict moment uh-huh. where it's like, how dare you? And I was like, eh, I mean, I feel like I'm in the right here. <laughs> and then I wasn't friends with them anymore. Yeah, but you have been in the right ever since. I mean, every time. It's these amazing. Are, these tests of character and principle yeah. that you have survived. Oh, my gosh. Every time. But I I did later become, I played lacrosse. So I made friends with the team. And that ended up being my sort of lifelong twin friends because friends. those were out-of-state mm-hmm. chicks. Yeah. And out-of-state chicks sort of had a lot in common. So we were all on this adventure together. We did not have our own cliques. So we all became weirdos together. It was a good time. Oh, times. those are the days. Those are exciting days. If anyone's listening, you're going to college, probably not. But if you're listening to this, you're going to... You, the, oh, we have a lot of whole... cool young listeners. Are oh, you kidding? <laughs> I have to look into those demographic studies, but I'm pretty sure they're well within the 18 to 34 range. <laughs> so we hit the demo every yeah, we, time. Every time. Every time. So okay. Such, yeah, go ahead. But before we get to that, a quick word from our sponsor. From the grocery store to the gas station... Working families are getting hammered by rising prices. But instead of focusing on inflation, Congress is pushing anti-innovation legislation that will impose more financial burdens on working people and seniors. Their misguided agenda could cost public pension plans $109 billion. Teachers, firefighters, and nurses would pay the heaviest price. Congress needs to focus on inflation and leave American workers alone. Speaking of integrity and principles, the person with the most integrity in the United States of America, perhaps the world. I mean, this has been studied. Mm -hmm. There's data on it is retiring. And that man is Dr. Anthony Fauci. A big moment. He's waiting until December because he's got to have like a couple months of fanfare before he leaves. (laughs) Yeah. And then farewell tour. By the way, his his farewell tour to transition to his multi-million dollar career as a lecturer about all the things he was wrong about. In the, the most the, defining the moment of his career. The talk show and lecture circuit beckons. Oh, man. It's going to be a thing of beauty. I enjoyed a, an Axios headline on this, which is, even after Fauci retires, Republicans plan to in- investigate him. Well, yeah. It, this, this is, Why this can't is they leave me. the man alone? This is what bugs me about him. He was, he was sanctified. You were not allowed to talk about whether he was right or wrong about anything. He had immense power over policy, both in the Trump and the Biden administration. Immense influence. We pay him a lot of money as taxpayers. And it was like, how dare you? How dare you ask questions about what Anthony Fauci is professing? And that is not a smart way of covering a pandemic. And yet journalists just like, by and large, went along with all of it. They just rolled over. All the time, like Rand Paul was proven right in these arguments with him over and over again. And he was so vilified at that time. Do you remember this? Rand Paul was. And again, as you're talking about the, who, the Dr. Fauci, who was so sanctified, remember Brad Pitt played him. I always bring that up. Oh, my gosh. And our own Andrew Stiles uh, in the Free Beacon just reviewed a new biography of Anthony Fauci. Ready for this? A Little Golden Book. 
No. That, yes. Is that real? I'm sorry. It is. I thought that was a parody no. on the internet. It is real. Oh, dear. They've been doing a bunch of more contemporary biographies. Oh, that, I'm sure they're book. great. Yeah. I'm sure Amy Coney Barrett is among them. No. <laughs> As a great icon for working moms, she'll be the she'll be the one on the the Fox commercials. That, uh, that what's his name from Arkansas used to will tout. No, so there's a golden book about him, and it's really to tell, remind all the kids all the the amazing, wonderful yeah. things that he has done. And when I when I say sanctified, I'm not even entirely exaggerating because he does have those those sort of tongue in cheek saint candles oh, yeah. that are sure. dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. Not only that. As someone noticed in a Zoom appearance he did on TV recently, they're on his bookshelf in his office. Like he, he has, has his, his own, own candles yeah, to himself. behind him. He also has a portrait of himself in his house. I've seen that in another profile. It's a lot. And but, the photo shoots for In Style. But perhaps it's not a lot if you consider what Anthony Fauci thinks of something dubbed the Fauci effect. Now, he, oh, he talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and it just, just gave you an insight into the the mind, the mind of Dr. Hitzi Fauci. Here we go. It's called the Fauci effect, which is sort of like, you know, as trust me, I'm, I, I don't get excited about that. <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but I mean, it's, it's I, I, people go to medical school now. People are interested in science, not because of me, because people, most people don't know me, who I am. My friends know me, my wife knows me, but people don't know me it's what i symbolize and what i symbolize in a in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies and and all the things you're seeing going on in society from january 6th to everything else that goes on people the craving for consistency for integrity for truth and for people caring about people the Fauci, the Fauci effect, they call it. Excuse me as I remove the pen that I jabbed into my eyeball. <laughs> it is amazing uh. the things that he and Rochelle Walensky have done and said that won't, they won't be held accountable for. Well, no, and, and I mean, like, we will on sir, this show. Sir, you... I know, yeah. we'll get our banner. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, get our warning. Yeah. <laughs> sir, you have been a little untruthy at times, yeah. right? And I, I think I've been... I tried to be open-minded. I wasn't like, oh, this guy is... This guy's trouble from the very beginning. I preferred Burks. I still prefer Burks because because Deborah Burks took responsibility when she did not observe lockdown rules in the way that she Mm -hmm. professed that everyone should. She actually had some shame over that and sort of was like, oh, that was my bad. He's got none. (laughs) None. But I tried to be open minded and listen to what this guy said. But as time went on, it just became undeniable that. You need to test every supposition from this guy. And That's there right. was none on one of our oldies but oldies but goodies. One of my faves is the Ted Koppel interview. That's mm-hmm. like, why are you so awesome? Yeah. How are you it's the best? Softballs. Are there ways that I can help make you even better, even though you're perfect? Mm-hmm. As it, I mean, I'm not really exaggerating. No. This is the kind of questioning That's what he got. that he faced. And he was very powerful, and he should have faced much more critical questioning. And we know now from... FOIA requests and from, oh, I don't know what actually happened with mm-hmm. the pandemic, that he was often wrong. Yeah. Wrong is one thing. Just don't gaslight me about it after the fact. Right. And not to mention questions about gain of function and research and- And, uh, and puppy research. That, things that the Republicans will be looking into if they take over the House. 
in November. How dare they? How dare they investigate? Uh, But if you remember, and I know he's not the CDC. I know that. But. But he sort of. We uh, lumped them all together because they all worked in tandem. Well, and he gave gave the marching orders. Yeah, that's right. He was like, the tone is from me. They turned to him. The ideas are from me. So when things work out, great. But if now people, if there's a backlash because of remote learning, he gets to say, that wasn't me. Oh, of course. No, he has a perfect situation no. where he's like, no, yeah. well, I didn't advocate for any of this stuff, please. Yeah, it's reverse. And if you remember, I mean, people <laughs> used to say all the time, you know, according to CDC guidance, per CDC, and the CDC says, therefore, I mean, our school, I still, we still get emails from the public, from the public school system saying that we are going to follow CDC mm-hmm. guidance, regardless of what that, what that is. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's been consistently behind what science would have allowed for, especially for yeah. children. Common sense had some, in the spring of 2020, you know, there was panic in the air. Common sense was thrown out the window. Prior to that, there was a general understanding going as far back as like 2011, that in the event of a pandemic, two things were certain. And the CDC and the World Health Organization knew this, and, and even medical guidance in the United Kingdom would say this. Masks were ineffective. And those people who were healthy should go about living their daily lives. Nah, that's crazy, Vic. That's crazy. And, we should shut down everything. And then what you want to, you know, what you want to ask is the all of these people is when you look at the difference in the hospitalization and mortality rates for COVID between, as we've talked about here, states that shut down and states that were free. They're about the same. Yeah. The only difference is what you call the excess mortality. Yes. Where did that come from? Exactly. Mm. States that were shut down with the higher rates of overdose and, and all the people, suicide, all the people who said it at the time were called like oh. Fauci haters and conspiracy theorists. And don't forget, by the way, if you said something contradictory to them, you'd get censored or, or banned from social yes. media. And then it didn't matter if the next month the CDC agreed with you or Dr. Fauci agreed with you. They were just like, oh, every, every, whatever happened a month ago was memory hold. Yeah. So. And to me, you know, there's all these, these, all these features, very, very friendly mm-hmm. features about his 50 years in service, during which, you know, he's been sort of very noticeably wrong about yeah. many important things. Yeah. And there's a lesson here that we will not learn about accountability for very powerful public figures when they get things wrong, especially if they will not admit it. That's right. that's the thing to that's me. That's the thing. Again, wrong is one thing. Telling Ooh. us all that you got it right when it's very obvious you didn't is another thing. So he will be on his way out to... Much more money in addition to the pension that, a lot. the yeah. pension that we will be funding, but in the in the great tradition of Anthony Fauci, we have another public health panic with flames yes, we do. flames being fanned by the New York Times, unsurprisingly, which publishes a piece: How to protect against monkeypox as school starts. Experts say, this is a subhead, experts say children are not at a high risk of infection, but they have advice to keep everyone from toddlers to college kids safe. Josh Barrow on Twitter flagged this for us. Parents who are concerned about the virus may also be relieved to know that many pandemic precautions and behaviors can be repurposed to protect children against monkeypox. Wearing masks in crowded indoor areas, avoiding sharing personal use items, increasing the frequency of handwashing, and isolating at home when you're sick. Courtney... Your kid is not getting monkeypox. You're not getting monkeypox unless there's a real tantalizing backstory that I don't know about in your life. 30-something yeah. 30, 30 Instagram yeah. mom. 
you guys are going to be okay. Right, right. This is not Studio 54. The, okay. The idea yeah. that they are, that even, yeah. that you would even publish something that says how to protect kids' monkeypox as school starts. Like, this is, this is not All right. something for moms to be worried about. Here's Parents in general. Here's what's interesting. I don't want to gender it. Parents. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Both, both the breastfeeding and non-breastfeeding parent, as they say. Yes. So there's pushback against this. I don't know if you saw. And the pushback is you, meaning us, mm-hmm. are wrong and taking this out of context because you failed and Josh Barrow failed to include the preceding paragraph. And the preceding paragraph acknowledges that there is no actual protection from monkeypox if you're wearing these masks for the kids and that there's not actually a threat to them. So therefore, you are just trolling and... Okay, then why is it in the piece? Yes. So the following <laughs> graph, the following <laughs> graph is like, nevertheless, right. you could still wear the mask, even though well, that doesn't exactly follow the well, science, but, but see, if it makes you feel safe, this I is, guess. This is in line with my complaint, which is that this, this mitigation measure does not match the threat or help the non-existent mm-hmm. threat. There is no threat. So writing the piece itself in the New York Times... Mm-hmm is panic-inducing. Yes. For no reason. Yeah. And then you're Again, trying kids. to... Then they're basically saying, well, it's a good idea to, like, be clean and stuff. Okay, great. Like, uh, the pediatrician can tell me that. Yeah. And it's also used to perpetuate the mask-wearing nonsense. That's right. right? Like, oh, there's always going to be a, a disease. It's probably good to put a mask on your three-year-old. Yeah, why not just... It's not a good idea. And that is oftentimes brought up, by the way. What What's the harm? Oh, there's harm. <laughs> And the other thing is our health officials and the CDC and the administration, they, they sort of put themselves in a bind because there are very obvious bits of advice, shall we say, that mm. they can give to those who may be most affected by monkeypox, but they're afraid of being characterized as homophobic right. or discriminatory against minority groups. And as a result, they're not giving the advice that's needed until recently and I did check on the CDC. Did you? And this is, uh, okay, well, you know, cover your kids' ears. But okay. This yeah, is yeah. an actual quote. Content warning. This is from the new CDC guidance. Quote, limit your number of sex partners to reduce your likelihood of exposure. Spaces like back rooms, saunas, sex clubs, or private and public sex parties where intimate and often anonymous sexual contact with multiple partners occurs are more likely to spread monkeypox. Yeah. Like, I, also, you don't have to be a hater to say, like, take it down a notch. While we're having this, yeah. instead this of, issue. Instead of, instead of 10 random partners, nine. And by the way, the, the switch from public health, this is, this is part of what is eroding trust in public health. Mm-hmm. The switch from COVID era mm-hmm. public health to this, which is all about, and look, when, outside of this silly New York Times piece, a lot of it is about sensible things like harm reduction. Mm-hmm. I understand that you're not going to quit your entire lifestyle that you are going to still act like a human. Therefore, here are some things you could do to keep yourself marginally safer. Here are the groups that could use these mm-hmm. tools to keep themselves marginally safer. Just tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth about who's at risk and who is not. Who mm-hmm. is not. You don't have to be a hater to do that. And they say like, oh, there's a lot of tweeting from the from the COVID cautious, the formerly COVID cautious or, yes. con- or continually COVID cautious. It's like, well, we can't expect people to just put the brakes on their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, for monkeybox, how? What do you get? You like, told people what? not to hug their parents, right? Right. For two years. Yeah, but monogamy. You can't say monogamy <laughs> because that's a bad word. Abstinence is a bad word. The so, shift you know, is just, the shift is a bad look. It's 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 quite remarkable. It's a bad look. And also, they're sitting on vaccines that are being used in Europe 
and they're not using them in the United States because the FDA has yet to approve them and they want to conduct random trials. How long is this going to take? And in the meantime, again, trying to curtail your various activities is something that they're even afraid to even say that Yeah. openly. Oh, I forgot one COVID storyline. Yeah. Another back to school story. Get ready for this. They are planning some fall booster campaigns around new new kinds of mRNA that are adjusted, tweaked in the way that we were told they could be for Omicron, which of mm-hmm. course would have been welcome in what, January, I was say six December. Ago. Yeah. But they're coming now, so look forward to your pumpkin spice booster in September. That's good. That was very fall related. Yeah. I was going to say- like the, It's the new craze. I was going to say, it's been a while since I've been vaccinated. It's been at least a few months. Well, I think it's time. Know. Same thing. You know, it's that it's been at least six months since my last measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. Time for that booster. Good I remember it. seeing this, by the way, with the announcement, you know, that first lady, Dr. Jill Biden, that she had tested positive. She's feeling fine. Yes. Thank and goodness. the spokesperson wanted to assure everybody in their email, in their statement that, you know, in fact, Dr. Jill has been twice boosted, uh, twice vaxxed, twice boosted. She's up to four, so right. bring on five. Okay. And I guess that's how it works. I mean, the ah. again, the disease itself acts as a booster because you get some immunity out of that. But what, also, I, and while you're bringing don't, this up. Don't ban me from Twitter. In, in particular, with, with the kids. Yeah. You know, the need to, and there are school oh, districts. They're still Washington, boosting. Uh, Washington, D.C., oh, they're, Los they're, Angeles. They're boosting college students still as a condition of coming back to campus. It's not necessary, guys. It's not necessary. They brought this up on uh, on one of the, the main networks the other day with Secretary of Education. Is that Miguel Cardonis, I think? Mm-hmm. And asking him about this. You know, there's a lot of kids who are going to be left out and left yep. behind, particularly minority kids in these big cities who are not vaccinated. What do you have to say about that? And his response was not, of course... Well, you're right. You know, kids are not actually a, a, a major vector for spreading a fatal disease. Rather, he says, he doubles down and says, this is all the more reason to get yeah, all of get these it, kids Get it together, vaccinated. everybody. Get it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the estimate is some from, I believe, Washington, D.C. itself statistics, some 40 percent of African-American students yeah. might be barred from going into a normal school year. They start next week, I believe, yeah. because of this. Requirements. Speaking of kids being left out of school, Vic. Oh, hey, what else is going on in the news, Mary Catherine? Well, I wrote a book review, and I'm a little, oh. I'm a little nervous because, as you know, Vic is a, he's an expert in book reviews. <laughs> I wrote one. I didn't write it for Vic. You'll notice. I, I know, I know. I don't know why we <laughs> we, we, we got outbid. <laughs> you know what? You know what it is. Catherine Mangaward, our, oh, our, our great, friend, yep. our great friend over at Reason Magazine, knew how to find me the correct way, which is text me. And then bug me over text. It takes no. and give me a specific subject that makes me very angry. And those things combined <laughs> will get me to write a book review. So I reviewed The Stolen Year How COVID Changed Children's Lives and Where We Go Now by Anya Kamenets, Kamenets, yes, who is an NPR education okay. reporter. What does she have to say and well, not say? I decided not to read this book on vacation because the would ruin intro your vacation. made me so angry that I knew I would ruin vacation for everyone if I read this book. So I saved it till we got back. And then I had an anger aneurysm once a night for three or four nights. Here's the deal. This is the if I did it of school closure narratives. Yeah, as in the O.J. Simpson book. Yes. Yeah. This is a person who was at the scene of the crime. She knows the details intimately. She knew how bad it was. And she has no interest in naming the culprit. So she's just laying out how bad it was. was, It was was very bad. We knew it was going to be bad. 
Unions are mentioned some four or five times, not very negatively. Randy Weingarten a couple of times, I think he even quoted maybe approvingly Ugh. at one point. And there's no, there's no profiling of the moms and dads who got schools back open, mm-hmm. except for when they are admonished for their privilege, which allowed them to fight to get schools back open. And that's what you'll find is, is the actual culprit in this book, Vic. The actual culprit is America and its privilege and its systemic racism. That's the culprit. Even though, even though people like Ron DeSantis were actually the bulwark against inequity by keeping kids in school. And the left was over here like, nah, more inequity. Let's, let's make the next the two years as problematic as possible. I admire your strength and endurance to get through this book. (laughs) It is, I remember talking to Douglas Murray about this, about book reviews, and he said that he prefers either a review that openly really tries to help and is really positive and outgoing about a really, really amazing, great book, or a vicious skewering. And nothing in between. No middle brow. No middle brow, he would say. But I, I could have been more sounds vicious. sounds like a skewering. I could have been more vicious, but I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not super vicious in general. Although I did, I mean, I compared it to OJ's book. So I guess that's, Yeah, that's slight, um, mildly, mildly. But look, the, what upset me was, yeah. again, ignorance is one thing. Getting something wrong is one mm. thing. Knowing what was going on from the beginning, which mm-hmm. she very clearly did, and she very clearly did because her reporting is contemporaneous, and I will give her props for that. It is rich. It is interesting. You get to know a lot yeah. of families and exactly what they went through, including you know, kids who regressed into violent behaviors with their yeah. parents because they're on screens all day, a special needs little girl in Hawaii who regressed into diapers after she had been potty trained because she couldn't get her in-person mm. services. And then her mom, by the way, was this is like half a sentence – her mom became sort of like a persona non grata with the school board because she was fighting mm-hmm. to get her kids' services. Yeah, well, she should, she should have checked her privilege, yeah. in other words. Well, so, exactly. Yeah. That phenomenon was not explored. She further knew because she covered Katrina's school closures in Louisiana. Yeah. The closest analogy we have to these, those caused years of learning loss mm-hmm. and a decade of lingering effects. Yeah. For just one particular area. For for just a month or two yeah. of school closings. Yeah, think about what's just happened. So I just, I don't have a lot of patience years. for an education reporter missing the biggest story in education and then after the fact yeah. being like, well, let's talk about how we can fix the privilege that caused this. Right. Randy Weingarten's privilege? Yeah, good also, for you. Also, school choicers in the book are like the spiritual descendants of segregationists, so... No, she doesn't say. Oh, that. we go there. <laughs> wow. That's I mean, but again, this is this is the great purpose of 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 negative book reviews is if if no one's reading a book, you don't want to bring it up for any attention, any publicity, because they would not have read it anyway. But this is a very important book written by a, a, a seemingly, obviously, very important person, and you need to get it out there. Yes, which you did. Hey, before you buy this book. There's well, a few things you should know. And before she you. becomes the anointed and sanctified oh, yeah. expert on this. Which oh, because is what, she's going to be, you know, they make yes, the rounds. Yes, so. this is what will happen. Also, just, I and I do think, maybe, who knows, maybe maybe this is something I could work on. There, there needs to be a book that chronicles the battle to get kids back in school because she completely misses that because that would require profiling this movement that is of, like, allegedly privileged moms. But the schools didn't open with the fullness of time 
and a realization about science. They opened because people in suburban and urban areas dragged them into opening. You do know you were meant to write this book. <laughs> Somebody's think, probably working on it. I'm, I'm probably late no, to this I, game. No, you know what? You got to do it. You got to look into it now, see what's out there. I, I, I have my advanced, you know, my, my catalogs of upcoming books. I haven't seen this one. All right. I think you should do it. And just think about this. You have built-in readership. Think about all our listeners. You had at least 100 books. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> done and done. New York Times bestseller. <laughs> there you are. At any rate, a lot is missed. Well, good for you. There's, the admission is welcome that this was really bad and we knew it. It's a lot of people knew it was going to be bad. The, the one thing I, I will say for it is that I appreciate those, those family stories. Those family stories were always important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in the end, perhaps a few liberals who wouldn't otherwise, who wouldn't listen to this chick, mm -hmm. will listen to that chick and will yeah. say, ooh, yeah. mistakes were made. But you, then they're just going to be like, you know who's to blame? Not spending enough money on public schools. Yeah. That's what's to blame. Yeah, more money for the unions. So. Oh, dear. Anyway, it's wanna, a good time. It's a good time. Did you want to talk about <laughs> Do you have any energy left to talk about sanctuary cities? Oh, I forgot about sanctuary Something cities. unrelated to COVID. <laughs> I know it was we did kind of related in COVID heavy way. Yeah, yeah. this yeah, week. It was COVID, but that's okay um, because we went through a few episodes where and people were dying for the COVID coverage. They're like, "Please, oh, I know, we everybody, need our, we need it, we need our, we need our <laughs> dosage of COVID." Oh well, you know, it fell it fell in line with my writing, so it's important to no, it's to put those together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, I don't think we touched on this, but the the massive hypocrisy of blue sanctuary cities having been sent migrants from Texas who yeah. have illegally crossed the border. And then they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is really a tax on our system here. Yeah. We, we're unable to do services in the way that, that we, you know, obviously we want to as a sanctuary city. But I believe Eric Adams in New York actually referred to it as a burden. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't believe is the approved woke language. No, no, the, For the, associated, the associated press would not approve of that, along with the words like surge and invasion and, yeah, you know, a burden. flood of immigrants. You're not supposed to say these things. But the buses are going to New York. They're going to Washington, D.C. And now it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Now it's a problem. It's not a problem when you're down on the border and they're coming across in these small Texas towns. You think these small Texas towns are not overwhelmed? Yeah. Of like course they are. McAllen, Texas, Brownsville. You think that, you know, they have a population slightly smaller than New York City. Yeah. And as you were mentioning, it was, but it's great to say, if you're all these big cities, it's great to pat yourself on the back because it's, it's no burden to you at the time. You're all the way up here yeah. to say you're a sanctuary city, come one, come all, and we believe in open borders and everybody should come over and, and, and everything else because they're not down there. Except then they're, there they are. What's amazing is, you know, they're incensed about this now. And they think what's happening is, you know, this is this is this is a bad publicity gimmick, a stunt, right? It's a bad gimmick, and lives are, you know, at stake here. But in fact, the takeaway is now you know how they feel. Well, uh, they now Muriel Bowser of Washington D.C. and Eric Adams in New York know how the people on the border towns feel, except for. It's not even nearly the same number. Two million no. people well, have crossed this past year. And I, I, I don't even totally dismiss the idea that this could be a little gimmicky and maybe it's the wrong tech and maybe it's a little crass mm -hmm. to just send sure. people. Play. Like, sure. I, okay. It gets a lot of I'm, attention. I'm open to that yeah. idea. However, these are exactly the places that are like open arms, man. We've read the Statue of Liberty. 
We know how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But they, ha- they truly have no idea of what is going on. They, yeah, they that's right. spend a lot of time ignoring it. And so to have greater awareness, which is a, mm-hmm. a word our friends on the left love, greater awareness yeah. of what is going on actually is helpful to both the people who are right. coming across and the people making the policy. But wow, not excited about it in, in New York and Washington, D.C. No, they take popular positions. You know, they know that they'll get all the plaudits from, from the left for, for, you know, being so open about it. But when it actually means something, yeah. then it's a bit of a different story. It is. So, well, we'll hypocrisy. We'll keep you... That's what we do here. We love to sh- sh- expose <laughs> hypocrisy. And we love to talk about viral idiotic videos. Well, here's something on the Twitter. On the other hand. Okay. So, at a Yankees game last night, someone catches a fan taking his hot dog, putting. <laughs> this isn't, none of this is a euphemism. It's just, just a literal hot dog. <laughs> Poking a hole through the hot dog, mm-hmm. cylindrically putting it into his beer and using it as a straw. By that, the way, the fan is a urologist. I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he is. It does seem like sort of a yeah. delicate procedure. No, no. It's like it's like a catheter I mean, thing to, going to on here. Sure I'm that, not sure what was happening. Also, how, I've never done this before, but I would imagine it's very hard to do. It's that's just what I'm saying. That it seems like something you would have had to practice several times. So, <laughs> I I think he's probably experienced at this. The internet is very upset about it. Mm-hmm. He is a Yankees fan. He has a New York Yankees hat on. Yeah, we're sitting there um, on the field level. The internet is upset. He he's he's really he's being thrashed online. I do not object. This is America. If you want to make your hot dog into a straw for your domestic light beer, please go ahead. I would not recommend it with a with a with a more sophisticated beer. I think you want to you want to stick with but like I don't know. Is it ingenuity? Perhaps. It was I would prefer a hot dog straw over the paper straw cuz you could eat this hot dog straw at the end when you're done with your beer. Okay, so <laughs> that's, here's, here's That's one thing. The yeah. the quality of straws is so degraded. Mm-hmm. Now you well, well first of all, you don't eat a straw for beer. Okay, I I concede that. Yeah, that's also a, a thing. <laughs> but it makes it hard to frown upon a hot dog straw. Mm-hmm. When we have paper straws. I'm still, you know, usually, you know, hot dogs, they got the, you know, you got to, if you're shoving a straw in there, well, then I don't know what's happening or how you, how do you get it to go perfectly through the middle? <laughs> I don't know what, unless it's like a, if it's, a, I could, if it's one of those fancy metal straws, okay, I guess we could do something with this, but that's amazing. Here's another What question. kind of a hot dog is this? It's, if it's a Hebrew national, there's no way. It looks, no way. Like, looks like a Hebrew national. Uh, Here's a, I mean, so I guess, I guess, it's the Yankee state. Yankee fans will, will tell us. Well, Here's the other thing, and this is sometimes with viral videos, I wonder about mm-hmm. this. It seems to start filming as this process is beginning. Why are we mm-hmm. filming this guy as the process is beginning? Oh, you're is suggesting this, his, this might be us. Well, is this the second time he've do, he's oh. done this during the game? I mm-hmm. wonder. And they're like, oh, my gosh, here it is. We, we're going to catch it on video? Possibly. But you would think that unlike a paper straw, a hot dog straw would be reusable in your next beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's my other thought. Okay. And I've done this. Which is, you know, I've done beer-flavored brats. You take a brat, you boil it right. in the beer with some this onions. Is a, this is a flavor combo that people is, actually recognize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is like the reverse. This is a hot dog-flavored beer. Because if you're, if you're sipping the beer through the hot dog, it's going to have all sorts of interesting beefy, or perhaps non-beefy, flavors. 
so yeah, I I, I think I'll, I'll I'll let it I'll let this pass to each his own. It's, it's, like you said, this is America. Yeah, I just don't think he deserves no. vilification, demonization, even, even if it's not quite kosher. Sometimes, <laughs> sorry. Sometimes the internet goes a little overboard. Yeah, and I say let the man enjoy his hot dog straw in peace, or you know, use he can use his viral fame to like go on the Today Show and talk about this. I am intrigued. He'll be a huge Instagram That's star. It. That's it. Okay. All right. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm Mary Catherine Ham at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. And you can find my review of The Stolen Year at Reason.com. Thanks for being here, guys. Enjoy your whatever you make your straw out of. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs>